Nissan has announced exclusive details of its revolutionary new miracle cure for insomnia, or as it is more formally known in the business, the 2023 Pathfinder. Let us all, therefore, glue our eyes wide open for this dissertation ion. Some would say dismemberment. If you want a new car cheap in Australia, and who doesn't without all of that in-dealership ankle-grabbing, which does tend to be somewhat undignified, that's kind of what I do. Website. Card. Do I need to draw you more of a diagram than that? Click it now, dude. Or... The puppy gets it. Not kidding. So, while you were tossing and turning at 3am, counting Ming moles at the World Trampolining Games, or similar... Nissan was hard at work, striving to restore deep, uninterrupted La Petite Mort, as they say in the land of Camembert and Surrender. Return of the Family Champ. Advanced features, powerful V6 and 9-speed auto for new look Nissan Pathfinder. Well, be still, my pounding vegetables. Nissan effectively ruined the Pathfinder way back in October 2013. Remember that? With the launch of the so-called R52, which was then inflicted on an unsuspecting global population for nine horrible years. Before that, Pathfinder was not shit. It was actually better than not shit. R52 was, however, a real knee in the pathies plums. I think you'd agree. A big, roly-poly-lardy-arsed, mall-seeking missile designed mostly for miracle and with one destination in mind. Homeless despot via In-N-Out Burger and Wendy's or something. Adventure, diabetes style. Glass A cherry on the cake of this steaming turd of R52 Pathfinder was a CVT transmission straight from hell. And by hell, of course, I mean JATCO, which is essentially a Nissan in-house brand. R52's turdtronic JATCO CVT had a stellar proclivity for in-pants poopy. So, at the very least, this new nine-speed for the all-new Pathy can only be an improvement. Perhaps not as good as just deleting the Pathfinder from the lineup entirely and pretending the whole ugly thing never happened, but something of a small blessing. So that's nice. The R51 before 2013 was actually a pretty good thing. The last decent Pathfinder at the end of a long and distinguished conga line of non-shit Pathfinders. After that, though, Nissan essentially did a Land Rover Freelander with the R52, and when they pooped that out, it just blocked the S-Bend completely. That's always hard to explain to the plumber, isn't it? 
And the market agreed with my assessment. Like, taking 2020 as an example, Toyota sold roughly eight Klugers for every shitbox R52 S-Ben clogger that Nissan managed to inflict on some unsuspecting punter. Mazda sold almost seven CX-9s, Kia sold roughly four Sorentos, and Hyundai sold roughly four Santa Fe's. Holden even sold more Acadias than Pathfinder. Amazing. So, it's pretty hard to recover from a commercial catastrophe quite this epic and long-lasting. The all-new Pathfinder has been reinvented from the ground up, improving the family-friendly formula right across the board. From its advanced safety and technology features to its go-anywhere capability, the new Pathfinder is every bit as ready for adventure as you. That's a dude you've probably never heard of named Adam Patterson, the big cheese of Nissan Schittsville. I wonder, what was second prize? Perhaps we'll never know. There's quite a lot to unpack in that statement, isn't there? As to this alleged reinvention, quote, from the ground up and, quote, right across the board, as if there's another way to reinvent something. I suppose if they hand you a trowel, you might as well lay it on like you're sort of re-rendering Ramadi. But first, to Mr. Patterson, I'd suggest it's a redesign, dude. Reinvention is quite the masturbatory alternative in my estimation. Just an opinion. Reinvention is almost as, let's call it, uh, self-congratulatory as reimagining something. There doesn't seem to be any actual invention regarding what's been done to this new Pathfinder. Like reinvention, back in the olden days, I'm pretty sure the wheel was quite revolutionary at the time. But, you know, adding spokes and tyres and bearings and a hub and things of this nature really are just design evolutions, not reinvention or reimagination or something, are they? This thing is a car, what we're talking about. A car is a machine. Machines get upgraded by redesigning them. This can be iterative or comprehensive, I suppose, but I think it's more credible generally to use less wanky language. Second, from the ground up and right across the board does seem to imply a kind of complete redesign, doesn't it? And if that is the case, then the obvious question here is, why, oh why, has Nissan stuck with the same outdated and abjectly shit 3.5 litre Atmo V6 as the R52 had all the way from 2013 to 2022? Riddle me that. This engine is, at best, an outdated pig. In fact, over the 10 long years that the R52 was inflicted on an unsuspecting public, Nissan only managed to upgrade its power output from 190 kilowatts to 202. That's just 6%. Is that seriously the best they could do? Did they actually try at all? And they haven't even done this engine's hair and makeup by adding a single kilowatt for the new model. 
still at 202 peak kilowatts, which kind of screams, yeah, we couldn't be asked tweaking the engine. These Atmo V6s make their power by revving their tits off, which is exactly how you don't want to drive a big, lardy-assed mum's taxi home from Westfield with six screaming brats on board, all juggling Macca's drive through is it? Kluger's 3.5 V6 is kind of equally horrible, almost, but it manages at least to be somewhat gruntier and these Atmo V6s in those kinds of vehicles are eclipsed, as in blown into the weeds, by the likes of Mazda's Turbo 2.5 litre 4, which makes so much more power at mid and low revs, and let's face it, that's actually where you want to drive in a vehicle such as this, that it's pretty damn difficult to make the case for 3.5 litres of Atmo V6 in a 2023 vehicle. Like, dude, it just is. It's also environmentally disgraceful, if you care about that crap. Like, if you want these Atmo V6s to perform, you have to rev them impossibly hard. It's awful, and it gets very thirsty, and they pump out way too much CO2. So... This engine in the allegedly reinvented ground up across the board 2023 Pathfinder is the worst possible kind of hand-me-down, the tackiest kind. Now, if you are seriously considering this vehicle, much will be made of this so-called tech. Personally, for me, tech is things you can't really see that tangibly, such as structural design and how well that was executed and things of that nature. But here, I mean the kind of toy-type tech the marketing department orders in extra lube to discuss. Meet ProPilot. Nissan's best name that they could dream up for another car maker's half-assed semi-autonomous driving system that comes standard on ST+, STL and TI Pathfinder. In other words, all the grades except base model Chitois. Pro tip, okay? The problem with these made-up names, these meaningless corporate bullshit names, is that it's so hard even for them to get it right. See here, right? Nissan Australia, official press release, ProPilot, hyphenated. But on official Nissan corporate ProPilot masturbatory documentation, no hyphen. Dude, that'll get back. There'll be a friggin' meeting about that, you mark my words. This stuff matters, right? According to Nissan, the occasionally hyphenated ProPilot system significantly reduces driver stress when driving on highways in several kinds of traffic conditions, making long drives more comfortable and enjoyable. Well, okay, who doesn't want that? Less stress, more comfort, more enjoyment? Where do I sign? Tell me more. ProPilot is a revolutionary autonomous drive technology designed for highway use in single lane traffic. Nissan is the first Japanese automaker to introduce a combination of steering, accelerator and braking that can be operated in full automatic mode, easing driver workload in heavy highway traffic and long commutes. 
full automatic mode. <laughs> Blurring the line between being the driver and being a passenger. Just like with Electric Jesus and Tesla's autopilot. And that works out so well from time to time. <laughs> Think you'd agree. Of course, where would we be without the import of some asshole corporate lawyers? The hands-off feature is not available on roads that have two-way traffic, in tunnels, on winding roads, in tollgate areas, merging lanes, or areas with a decreasing number of lanes, and in areas where manual control is required. So, let me get this straight. Provided you're on a one-way road that's dead straight with no tunnels, toll gates or merging or other unspecified conditions where the system poops in its trousers, good to go, right? It is the driver's responsibility to be in control of the vehicle at all times. Always monitor traffic conditions and keep both hands on the steering wheel. System operates only when lane markings are detected. Does not function in all weather, traffic and road conditions. System has limited control capability and the driver may need to steer, brake or accelerate at any time to maintain safety. So, batteries not included. Essentially, I'm sensing that what Nissan is doing here is talking up out of all proportion to reality the capability of what is clearly according to them, a properly half-assed system that essentially demands you to pay full attention and be ready to spring quickly into action while at the same time doing absolutely nothing for hours without end, potentially. Humans are crap at that, incidentally. It sounds like a living hell to me, far worse than just actually driving. <laughs> And also it lays a solid foundation for a rolling series of cognitive catastrophes, doesn't it? Which is probably less than ideal, given the amount of energy you acquire at typical highway speeds. Deafening silence from the regulators on this half-baked bullshit of course too. The only worthwhile autonomous driving system, incidentally, at least in my view, is the one that drives better than a human in all conceivable conditions. And this certainly ain't that. You can't even see that from here. Okay, this is like a bad prototype that should never be put into production. ProPilot is all prick tees up front and barely functional in the context of actually liberating you from the burden of driving. And then, of course, if there's a disaster, it's going to be all on you, dude, according to the asshole lawyer's four-point Helvetica extra light in the friggin' owner's manual. At best, ProPilot is an extremely cynical upsell that could easily make driving less safe given the intersectionality between the system's very limited capability and the incredible capacity of ambient homo sapiens always to deploy a better idiot on demand. On the plus side of Pathfinder for 2023, there's a dirty big 10.8-inch head-up display on all new Pathfinder variants with turn-by-turn -turn navigation. Plus, there's four USB charging outlets and wireless Apple CarPlay. 
But the Android Auto is plug in, go figure. I'm sensing a monumental negotiation screw up in the background with Google, which probably wanted its maps on top or something. And if you go the full pimp, okay, and you buy the TI Pathfinder variant, you can option that up to captain's chairs in row two so that you or the grandparents or something can sit facing the people in row three, presumably the grandkids, right? But if you do that, you revert back to seven seats from eight. That's if you tick the captain's chair box, right? According to Nissan, the curtain airbags cover all three rows as well, which they do not in some competing vehicles. So that's a plus. Now, look, I know this has been a mainly negative report, but as I see it, there is simply no compelling reason to buy a new Pathfinder over a Kluger, a Santa Fe, a CX-9 or a Sorento, or even a Carnival, even though that's strictly not an SUV. And frankly, to buy a Pathfinder, there would want to be a compelling reason, right? Because Nissan is looking commercially shaky in Australia and around the world. They are failing. Clearly, they're not as shaky here as Honda, but they are shaky. In 10 years, Nissan's most significant commercial achievement in Australia has been to meticulously shoot its commercial footprint in the vegetables. Fumbling that safety, that trigger discipline. In 2021, they sold just over 41,000 vehicles here. Ten years earlier, they were selling 67,000. That's a reduction of 40%. And the total market did not change size between then and now. In fact, Nissan was selling more vehicles here 20 years ago than today, despite the market being almost 25% smaller back then. Any way you cut this up, this is an established commercial trajectory. And if you happen to sit there and think, well, that doesn't really matter to me, I'm just buying a car, then I'd suggest you are not thinking hard enough about this, not nearly hard enough, dude. Dealers are independent retailers. I mean, they look like Nissan, but they're really a separate business. And that business is generally multi-franchised, which means that they sell more than one brand, typically. So within a dealer group, the brands that are successful and growing and represent a lot of business and profit for a dealer group, they get all the investment at retailer level in technical training. They get the best staff in the group. They get a good parts inventory, etc. Brands that are shrinking and failing, well, it's inevitable. They get the opposite of that. That's at dealership level, right? At importer level, at Nissan Australia, well, they're accountable to Japan for their failure to sell over and over and over. Their profit, or the lack thereof, becomes a proper boardroom issue in Japan. Weekly or whatever it is, monthly conference calls back to the motherland turn inevitably to getting out the knife, right? Cutting staff, cutting costs, cutting onshore parts inventory, cutting the cost of warranty claims and the burden of customer service generally. For a car importer, right, cutting costs is synonymous with throwing you as a customer under the bus when there's a problem. 
Nissan closed its parts warehouses right across Shitsville quietly in 2015. More recently, 20,000 global jobs were axed by Nissan. That was in 2020, and that's off the back of, I think it was 12,500 jobs that faced the knife back in 2019 after an eye-watering 99% profit plunge. So Nissan is not a happy shop, basically. Dude, when you buy a car, right, you inevitably also get nude and you jump in a hot tub with that brand metaphorically. Probably not something you've ever really fantasized about doing, but also inescapable. If I'm nude and in a hot tub, and this is, of course, a subject on which I could speak at length and with some significant authority, like, I'm generally happy to jump in, but not if there's a conga line of sharks which have not been recently fed. I think that's a rule to live by. Therefore, if you're feeling seduced by the new Pathfinder prick tease that's taking place right now, ask yourself how much of the so-called journalism you've read on all of this is really just there on the page to keep the publisher sweet with Nissan and thus maintain those rivers of advertising gold flowing endlessly in. Versus, of course, how much of it is actually there to inform you about making the best choice with a friggin' new car. Do any of those competing reports hint that this particular acquisition might in fact be a bad idea? If not, right, you have to wonder why not in the face of evidence to support that contention. I don't actually give a shit what Nissan or its lawyers think of my view on Pathfinder or them. I'm kind of agnostic like that. It's all water off a duck's back here, dude. I also don't especially care if you buy one, okay? That's on you. I'd be happy to help if you want one, right? It's your cash, dude, and this certainly ain't North Korea. Unless, of course, Peter Dutton gets elected in 2025. I just want to point out to you the things that other motoring journos will not, mainly because of self-censorship and bad incentives in publishing, which is a real thing if all you want is credible information. I just want you to be able to make an informed choice. <laughs>